Welcome to Joe's Writers Club, where we embrace creative obsessions. I'm your host, Ricky. Here, in this special sample episode, we feature creative workshopping and adaptive book craft, both in one sitting. We'll showcase author Dave Lockwood, his take on world building, the making of a tabletop RPG, and participating in our group project, which aims to inspire a new genre of short stories. Later on, we'll examine Dave's submission to our corporate gothic project and hear the observations, suggestions, and recommendations of the club. It'll be just the sort of thing that'll get the muse flowing so that you, the listener, can join us on our mission to experience the bliss and satisfaction of creative obsession. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome, uh, Julie, Tom, Mike. Welcome, Dave. How is everybody doing today? Good, Ricky. Excellent. Hi, everybody. So, um, this is Dave Lockwood. Uh, he's an old creative associate of mine and an even older friend. We go back quite a ways, he and I. He, years and years ago, approached me about um, what we do now, which is Afternity, what eventually would become Afternity, but what we have as Oakwood LLC. Um, Dave. Well, uh, like uh, Olk said, we've been at this now for the better part of 12 years. Ever since I uh, heard Olk's uh, stories back in my first apartment about going back about 17 years now, I wanted to be a part of that uh, as far as the game. So when I approached him, I told him, hey, I could probably build some rules around this game, like a tabletop RPG, and we started working together ever since and really it's something I absolutely love to do is um, game building and uh, world design um, engine building it's just something that it's it's so much fun to me the detail of it I just recently started some uh, cartography for our, our maps for the worlds and stuff like that and that in itself it's just it's a really relaxing kind of thing also a great distraction from kind of the endless gray monotony that is my full-time job yeah yeah without a doubt uh, creativity seems to purge negativity from the body um the way that positivity kind of lifts the spirit up as it were so yeah i mean i think we all agree that like a built world building exercise it, it can be very stimulating what else yeah. are you working on dave well, i've also uh got um Rel Karin, which is uh, a part of our, it's an expansion game, part of Afternity. I've always been a huge fan of Anne Rice and uh, Heidi Yudi Kikuchi, who did the uh, Vampire Hunter D novels. And um, I've always liked that kind of uh, darker kind of realm. It's always been something that's been fun for me. Legend was like, it's my favorite movie of all time. Tom Cruise, My Sarah, everything. So, like, when I was four years old, that's what really got me into fantasy I just haven't really looked back since so have you seen the, the, the European version with the Jerry Goldsmith score I had yeah, the old that ultimate uh, edition yeah so I've, I've, it is it is really good it is like there are some scenes in there that I'm like wow if it had gone to Tangerine Dream I would have been if you could just merge the two like if you could have the Tangerine Dream score with that European cut, you're like, it's it's just unbelievable. I don't know, I think I prefer Jerry Goldsmith's uh, overall. He has such a phenomenal 
feel for the movie. Among uh, among the viewers of Legend, this is a great controversy. Which soundtrack yeah. is is which? I, there's moments I like of both both, but I kind of dig the Tangerine Dream. I, I'm I'm a little bit more electronical music uh, when it comes to my inclinations. I like all kinds of stuff, but either or the classic score is interesting too. Um, so what about uh, what about Phil Regular Dave? So Phil Regular is a um, mini-series about, you know, some of it's based on real life from when Hulk and I were younger, and really it's one of a really good creative outlet for me of things in the world that are very, that I find very frustrating, that almost seem like you can never, no matter what you do, you can't, you just can't get around it, you can't get away from it, so it's a really good outlet there. Phil Regular is a guy in his 20s. And you're pretty much following him around, and it's still regular hero of none. He'll uh, he's pretty much takes place in Perth Amboy, but you don't really you don't really call it that. It's just based on where Hulk and I used to live, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. By the way, Hulk is one of my nicknames, folks. Oh uh, uh, yeah, so I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm talking like everybody knows that. I no, like no, it's all good, man. Does. It's all good. But yeah, I've been calling. I didn't. I swear, I didn't know his first name for like the first three years of our friendship. Just Hulk <laughs> or Hulk. So yeah, um, yeah. I used to go by that. That's cool. Yeah. There's a lot of different short stories. There's like uh, Phil Regular, um, Lords, Ladies, and Doctors. Phil Regular, Two Lanes of People. Like it's just for me. It's the bulldog, yeah. man. It's the bulldog. Like, what's her name? Is yeah, your name? Uh, Matt, Madge, yeah, Marjorie. He's yeah. got this bulldog that has her own inner monologue. That like she, it's you're told from her perspective and his perspective. Yeah, it's of, pretty uh, wild. I love it. Both viewing life. <laughs> but right I'm having a lot of fun with it. A lot of it turns out to be a gripe fest, and how Phil kind of uh, saves the day, but not really. Just kind of triumphs over the uh, evils of the world. I, I love those accidental uh, hero stories, so that's that's definitely something that I would want to check out. That's that's right up my alley. That sounds cool. Oh, that's great. That'd be great, man. I would love that. Uh, when you said Ulcus, and it then it has sort of like a Star Wars vibe, like an Obi Wan Kenobi <laughs> type thing, right? That's it. You're absolutely <laughs> that, right, man. It's the same mythic quality as far as I'm concerned. Dave knows him as Olcus. We all know him as as, as Rich. Or Ricky. Yeah, Ricky. Yeah, Olcus. Yeah, that's like, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. You know, yeah. one of those vibes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what do you guys uh, what do you guys think? Uh, any 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 questions before we move on to the stories or what? Oh, maybe we should talk a little bit about what we're doing uh, so that they get to know sort of who we are a little bit. That's a great idea, Julie. Who wants to volunteer? All right. Um, let's say, what was it, three, four months ago, at least five months ago, Julie made some comments about uh, spooky buildings or hauntings. And a week or so later, there was this idea. I'm not sure where it came from, where it sprouted from, but it grew into something we call corporate gothic. It came from my husband, huh? Remember? He was trying to articulate what my vision was, yeah. and so he called it corporate gothic. 
And then, and then we just, as soon as I mentioned that, just in passing, Ricky just went off on a whole corporate guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think that he gave new life to it, you know, like his so own we'll, life, I think. We'll do, in the acknowledgement for the, for the corporate gothic book, we'll have to mention Julie's husband. Mark Donahue. I think that's only fair, <laughs> certainly. Yes. He gave, he gave uh, the title, you know, to the, uh, to the, the spirit of the project, yeah. I guess. Without whom, we would still be floundering in the dark. That's know? it, that's it. The Olive Branch was excited. For, for, uh, for something, for a, an anchor, right? Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, well, you know, it's, so. it's everybody, everybody likes this, I think, because well, it, just, it means something to people because there's so much of that working, that corporate oppression in our world. And well, I second so, that. Everybody yeah. I've mentioned it to, the I, that's this concept, they said, you know, that's a really cool idea, and, and you know, uh, every place has got to have some kind of haunting or unusual occurrence or weird things that happen, noises and things. and uh, Or oppressive quality to its workspace alone, you know? Go ahead, Tom, sorry. So so we thought of uh, it would be a, a great concept to center or, or create a, a, an anthology of short stories around the concept of haunted workspaces or uh, essentially that that corporate gothic is, is uh, you know you're, you're, in, you're working in an old office building and no one likes to go down to the basement because they hear weird noises or there's a weird smell that no one can get rid of or there's an elevator that's always cold or I worked in a, in a movie theater at Menlo Park the old Menlo Park movie theater yeah no, I know it yeah, yeah. and uh, the second floor there was they, late 60s, someone hung themselves, one of the maintenance workers. And I tell people, you know, uh, you know I, said, I said, Pete, I told people that this, this building is haunted. I know exactly how you feel, Tom. Well, first of all, I gotta say, it's it's really awesome that, like, a lot of writers are just coming together collectively to do this, which is just a lot of fun. Like, it's just really cool to hear everybody's different ideas, perspective, and when people can collaborate on something that they all share and love. I think that's really cool. But as far as hauntings, I, can, I know exactly what you mean. I used to live in a church. Um, I used to rent a church. Did he uh, ever? Uh, I was there many and, times. Uh, <laughs> man, that, man, that was a lot of fun, I gotta tell you, for it a was. couple of years. It was like, it was Taper Street Fight Club. I mean, like, their water would leak down the um, <laughs> steeple and, and, like, swell the doors. We had an altar in there there was a great room where all the pews used to be the, wow. the, there used to be the it was incredible was there. Yeah. um it had horsehair insulation in it horsehair so yeah in the yeah. basement in the basement I saw it so I mean you want to talk about like there was there were vibes there I used to do this to people and freak them out like we had a partition wall where my roommate was and I would open the door and go watch a couple minutes later like the door would slam shut and people were like nope no, no, bring it out. I used to see it open sometimes. I don't know if it was the wind or what, but there was something going on there. It was a very, very interesting place. That also embodies the, the vibe of corporate gothic. We would be up until all hours of the night talking about stories that we were role-playing or, you know, having a, having a cordial, as it were, and a, an owl would fly by uh, the window, and you just got, like, totally freaked, you know, because it was in the woods a little bit. Quite a magical place, unforgettable place. A perfect place to play D&D. &D. It really 
really was. We ran game there, man. Let me tell you, we had some amazing sessions in that joint. We literally ran it on the altar with a great window off overhead. That was a lot of fun. Overlooking at the back of the woods. It was, really, it was beautiful. That could have been inviting all sorts of trouble. I think it yeah. might have. You may be right. But either way, we're Not still here. On our plane, I mean, other 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 ways. Those kids have played with Ouija boards and, uh, and, and open up doorways. I mean, you're in between this in an old church playing. People have accused of being a demonic game. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> so, um, uh, how are we doing as far as these stories? We want to do entry level first, right? Um, I, actually, that's the only one that I read. I'm sorry to say. I only got to entry level this week. Uh, but I can take a quick look at quitting time. Well, why, um, why don't you tell us what's up with entry level? Let's start with that. For the first two paragraphs, I'm not sure. And then when the parents came in, I really got into it. But I have to say, I had a little trouble with the paragraphing. I don't know if it's a formatting issue. Like, um, you know, like sometimes when you take a Word doc and you translate it into a Google doc, it like takes apart all your formatting. You know, it's just, a, it's a nightmare is what it is. It, um, it could, it could be because I, I, I do a lot of rogue writing when okay. I'm at work. So I'm on my phone doing like a Word doc X. And then I transfer it sometimes to my computer, and I try to finish it up that way. So I apologize for that, for any kind of uh, formatting issue. I don't think I formatted it correctly. That's probably my, my fault. I didn't really take it out of his phone format. I'll try to get into the Google Docs and cut that up like I did the uh, um, uh, quitting time uh, file. All right, Julie? Oh, uh, you yeah, that's, that's time. You didn't do the. Oh, I understand. Okay. Yeah. But you understand, like, new speaker, new paragraph, right? Normally, like in a text. So if you have a new speaker, you would have the dialogue. So it would be like its own paragraph. Okay. Um, most all text. I mean, all fiction that I've ever read, published fiction, has that. So that would help me so that I could read the dialogue even more closely. I mean, in the in the eighteen and nineteen hundreds literature. They did write with enormous paragraphs. These are not enormous, so it's not that it can't happen. But I think that the, the reader can more easily follow if, if you try to try to split it up by a setting or a topic or a character or, a con, you know, like one paragraph is like the conflict or one paragraph is... Because I think even in the, the beginning, although a lot of it is dialogue. So, and the dialogue is easy to paragraph because that's just a simple thing. But sometimes I think um, it might also be your your like content descriptions. No, I think it's maybe all maybe it's all dialogue. No, it is a lot of it. A lot of it was dialogue. a lot of it's dialogue. There right? was some. There was some that the content could have been split up into paragraphs. Okay. But I think a lot of it was was just like large paragraphs with characters going back and forth that could have been split up. So probably most of it will, will be an easy fix. Yeah, yeah, well, it'll, it'll be quick. I think it's ultimately the result of him writing on his phone and my failing to interpret that. Um, I, I'll, I'll cut that up. and That's actually, old. That's, that's probably good notes. That probably is on me, too, because I am new to this as far as um, actually short story writing and novel yeah, writing too. stuff. So <laughs> that is, um, that's something that I will definitely, any, any critique or notes, I will definitely take into account. So that's that's I really appreciate all any um, constructive criticism is, is great. Anything that I can 
improve my writing. Right on. I'd like to start on a real strong note with readers because uh, I'm afraid that there's so much competition out there with other media and, you know, our digital age and all that. It's an easy thing to do. You know, it doesn't, yeah. It's not the content of the story. You have more important than the formatting. I'll wait. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a, a quick thing, but uh, Corporate Gothic has been a great learning experience. I never was a short story writer, and to having written short stories, I must admit, it improves your... It improves a lot of different things about how you see stuff. Um, I'm looking at the outlines of, because the, the novel I'm working on is from 2011, and I haven't really, I, I did a few experimental drafts, but they were, like, I started new edits, and it, they were all garbage, everything I was reaching into was garbage, but this one just clunked right into place, and I have to say that it's, it's, it's definitely Joe's Writers Club, and uh, the Corporate Gothic Project. It's it's um, I mean I'm learning I don't know about you guys but I, I'm learning what do you guys think uh, Ben you yourself man what do you pick up any tricks from what we've been doing or no I really have like I really like the one thing that really uh, jumped out to me that sometimes uh, that I know I have to work on is a lot of show don't tell yeah that, the best piece of advice the best is not so much as just explaining everything in full detail, which I tend to do sometimes. I still tend to do that, but that's just the nature of the beast. That's exactly how I work. But I'm starting to try and shift gears and trying to go with like, okay, so maybe if I just added this in here, hint to that, hint to this, or hint to that, and let the reader kind of draw his or her own conclusion from the clues that I've left behind. Not, I mean, very subtly. It's the fours, right? From last meeting, the foreshadowing, foreboding, exactly. foregone. Yeah, yeah, I'm hip. Dave, what did what do you think about uh, what do you think about this whole thing with corporate gothic, man? I, I think it's fantastic. I really like the entire concept of um, taking workspaces, whether it be white collar, blue collar, and adding a twist of either some Twilight Zone or any kind of horror, whatever your melting pot of um, fantasy is, and just merging the two. The best part about it for me is seeing the different perspectives of the writers of what that means to them. That, to me, is always the best thing about writing, is taking one concept and reading an author, like five or six different authors, and how what their take on it is. I think that's really cool. Because, you know, it gives you not only different perspectives, but it can also bring the muse out for yourself as a writer. So I think it's a you, you fantastic, betcha. You betcha. fantastic thing. Stick with us. We're about to get to the creative workshopping segment of the show. Normally in a full-length episode, you might hear a reading from the guest author. However, in this condensed version, we will go straight to the club member analysis on Dave Lockwood's entry level and quitting time. If you'd like to hear Dave or any of our other authors read, please subscribe to the podcast, or better yet, why don't you sign up for our monthly corporate gothic story release? All this and our Writers Accelerator can be found at joeswritersclub.com. But for now, sit back and enjoy the second half of the show. Welcome to Joe's Writers Club podcast, our special Sunday meeting we have Dave Lockwood. So it's great to have you. Dave is a newer member, 
but uh, I, I've had creative uh, works with Dave since forever. Uh, he and I started a uh, company called Oakwood back in 2007. And uh, we've been writing Afternity and making a game and doing all this fun stuff. And now it's Joe's Writers Club fun. Now it's corporate gothic fun. Um, ben, if you want to go over your observations on entry level, that would be great, man. Oh, cool. Well, why don't you hit that one up first, then, yeah. since it's fresh on yeah, your mind. I just finished reading it. Fresh off the press. I just read it. Excellent. Very good, Ben. Very good. So lay it on us with uh, Quitting Time, man, because I read this one about a week ago, and it's it's a great a great little story, you know? Okay, so yeah, I, I, I just finished it. I really liked it a lot. And Dave, I have, I have a bunch of background questions for you, actually. Uh, not a bunch, but a couple background questions. I don't know much about you. I know we probably went over this already, but did you work in a school? Oh, I absolutely did. Okay. Um, I worked in a school about, oh, how long have I been here now? About 16 years ago, I was uh, okay. working in a school. So you did, like, did you do, like, the maintenance stuff, or did you do, like, teaching, or what did you do? I was, um, I did the maintenance, and I've pretty much been doing uh, blue-collar my whole life. Yeah, so I, I kind of gave it from that perspective. I know it seems, I know I come at it from a very harsh perspective, but it, it is what it is. I'm just telling it the way it was. No, it's fine. I'm sure you've read into uh, different teachers and stuff like that. Or, but I was I was very, I like, because I work in the school district. I work as a power professional in Highland Park. Okay. So I've been teaching for probably close to 12, 15 years. Maybe I've been doing teaching but so we work, we kind of, as you've worked with, um, you've probably talked to teachers as well. I've talked to maintenance staff as well, been friendly with them and stuff like that. So this really hit home as far as putting together a setting. And I was like, hey, man, this guy, it looks like he knows what he's talking about. You know, there's like a primary school, there's an elementary school, and then there's this school. So you really knew what you were talking about. And I like the fact that you, you really didn't have to do your homework, but you literally just, did your homework, you know, you knew what you were talking about and you didn't, you didn't find a way around it to just try and materialize the story just for the fact that you're basing it upon the staff. Um, so I really like that angle of how you used your prior knowledge to incorporate it. And I know Ricky, you did that, you did that with your story, how you did the surveying. With that's, your that's right, bro. That's right. We write about what we, we write about what we know, but it passes muster with you. Like, it feels like it takes place on at a school, right, Ben? Yeah, yeah, and I really liked that. It was cool. Like, I could picture myself seeing these employees, like, other reports with the students, with the other teachers, stuff like that. So that really hit home with me, and it was really good to see something that was kind of up my alley in a way. I mean, I've never worked maintenance before, but still, I respect the, people, the work that they do. I respect the... the uh, custodial workers and I respect the people that work on the ground and I have if I had conversations with them before so I try and get to know them and who they are as a person not just as an employee and it really kind of hit home it's like okay kind of can really relate to the whole school thing and even partly to the maintenance thing as well I can I can really relate to that as well because I've seen it happen I've seen people interact you know that are, were maintenance workers and it, it was just really good to be able to to get in, into depth about like what they were all about, and you really got into depth about it, which was good. Um, 
So I really have respect for, for those positions and the fact that you really, you know, honed in on your story here. So that was good. Um, Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The only, one thing that I think you really could have hit home with later than sooner was the whole situation when we found out. Everybody read it, right? You know, Ricky, did you read yeah, it? Yeah, no, I read it, man. I read it about a week ago, and I, I really dug okay. it. I gave him some observations, sure. too, which I'm going to get into, but you go ahead, Ben. Okay, so um, this is the reason I asked Ricky is because it's a spoiler. So No, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. At the end of the story, he, you, you find out that... The following spoiler has been omitted for your future reading enjoyment. A good story is a terrible thing to waste. So, yeah. this has happened, okay? So, could you possibly, instead of tell us at the end, maybe have an action sequence where we're not sure who's exactly involved yet, and now throughout the whole story we're thinking in the back of our minds, hey, let's try to put the pieces together. Now, it's just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. If it doesn't, it doesn't go well with the flow of the story, I understand. But I thought that it might be a good little intro to, to the whole story, to put a little action at the beginning. And what do you think about that, Dave? No, I like the um, I like the suggestion. Like, I'm actually, like, thinking, as you were saying it, I'm thinking it in my head. I could easily go and obviously leave Kathy out, but I could almost have it where he's finding someone because I don't, when there's somebody on the ground, he's calling for help. And that could almost be the opening scene in itself. Exactly. But I not, definitely not, not too much reveal. You don't want to reveal too much. But that, you know, that's perfect. That's exactly what I was thinking. I agree that that would be uh, that would give us more of a um, like a lead in. You know, like we would have uh, more curiosity as to what actually occurred if you had something like that at the beginning. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I could easily yeah. go back and just and I could leave it vague enough too. Yeah. where you could have Mike looking down at someone and you're not sure who and kind of go into it from there. Yeah, it could be very discreet. It could be, you don't even have to mention the name at all. You could just say person A and he or she. Something like that, very vague, discreet, and then I think would be perfect. That's great. That is great. I'm, I'm, typing, I'm typing this up as you guys are telling me as far as notes, so that's, that's great. Uh, I want to chime in here. So you shifted to you here, and I, I wasn't sure if, because it's a shift, right? You start talking about the schools and, like, the, the physicality. The groundskeepers are meeting, people from the school are meeting for, are waiting for a meeting, right? But first it's just the description of the schools, and then you go into, like, um, you, right, the second person. So first, I think it's, um, I don't think we do it in the very beginning. So you're speaking objectively about, you know, pre-K, through second, through third, through fifth grade. So here you're speaking really in the third person, right? Voice. So you're at a distance from the story. And then you have the garage, and then you kind of go into you, right? And so I just want to make you aware of that. When you're talking he, she, and they, right, third person, you really do have a distance from a story. When you get into the you, you're pretty much up close in somebody's face kind of thing. You know, it's very sort of one-to-one, like you to the reader. And even if you're speaking in a general way, right, so no matter if you were this or you were that, you're speaking in a general way, right? Uh, it still is a shift. So, and you can do that, but I just want you to be aware that you're doing that, you know? So the, the other option would 
be to keep it third person like you know no matter who a student thought they were or if you use the term student or girl or boy or something like that you would keep it with third if you wanted the you i think you should just be aware over it maybe look over it a little bit because it okay. does because then you do shift back into third right well yeah like i kind of gave an opening of um I just want to give a little bit of my experience when I worked at the school and kind of translate it into the fantasy. So I almost just kind of gave um, a, a background of the politics and what I had personally experienced, and then I kind of shifted into the story itself. Also, I'm not entirely aware of like of what you were saying, so it's good to hear all of this. Like I kind of keep it in my head like I just was going to give... Um, my real life experience a little bit and just my perspective and then kind of shift into the to the story so that's kind of, I guess that's that was my thought process at the time yeah it's fine I mean all I'm saying is that you might want to just be aware of it because the reader will be so it house students right you wrote in the first paragraph it house students from the ages of pre-k this is very third right but then right, you say, right. you know, you and your family, you know, well, the teachers are working here for you. I'm paraphrasing. You know, to to them, you were, then you're, you're speaking to the student directly. I so see, I see what you mean. Think about that a little bit, because the, the reader will feel that shift, you know. So I'll make, yeah, maybe just flow from the third person, like solid, not try not to jump around too much. That was one of the things that stood out to me as well, the, 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 the second person that Julie pointed out, so I won't go into any more of that. I really like the use of um, Sharon as a main character. Um, that's one of those mythological creatures that doesn't get much play in modern pop culture. So take things slightly obscure like that and turn it into, and giving her a reason to be there it was a really nice take on um, on the mythos. And I really like the way that you, you did that. My biggest thing with the story, though, is the, the beginning part of it, maybe like the first quarter of it, it dragged on a little bit for me. And I, the reason was because you were, you were setting up most of the other characters. But to me, the story was about uh, Terry and Sally um, specifically. And I think in the beginning, you spent a lot of time with Dave, um, exploring Dave as a character and his relationship with Mike. And I didn't think as much time needed to be spent exploring that. I think it would have benefited from exploring Terry a little bit more in the beginning. The way that I was looking at it, uh, his emotions get sent off in some way and the environment is affected like that. And you touched that, uh, on that a little bit when Sally's shadowing Terry to see how he works. And Terry says something to the teacher, and the teacher has kind of an odd reaction. Um, so you kind of touch on that a little bit. I think maybe if you explore that a little bit more throughout the beginning, and you know, also introduce those other characters as well, because they are pertinent to the story, I think maybe it would grab readers a little bit more, and that emotional outcome would have more of an effect once you get to it. Absolutely. My... Um my wife said the almost the same exact thing that you did when she read it. So I do appreciate that. And that is all of these notes. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm writing everything in a bullet point to keep, because this is great. This is really good stuff, guys. I really appreciate it.
Joe's Riders Club at its best. So thanks, Mike, for your observations for quitting time. That stuff was uh, was very useful. I kind of pointed out some similar things for foreshadowing, and I think that that's the consensus. So a second draft should greatly modify the situation. Uh, thanks a lot. Any other comments on that story, Mike? I think anything else that I kind of had notated was was really just like a, a grammar thing or, or, or something. To go forward with a second draft, that's really my biggest observation. Excellent, excellent. Good good stuff there, uh, bro. And Ben, you too, man. Uh, Julie, do you have any other comments on quitting time? I have one other just suggestion, but honestly, this is just a thought. You know? There might be maybe a use of a flashback might help with the showing occasionally I think you, you might have a tendency and I do this too a little too often when I write is a little bit more telling like this is what happened then or he's like this because of some past experience maybe and this is for you to decide but maybe the reader has to experience that like he's very charismatic you could say you know show the charisma rather than tell it if you see what i'm saying i do i do but i'm not sure where and when like there might be a time when telling works you know that might be something you you want to consider as you're redoing it you know here and there there might be um a little anecdote or uh, an example of the behavior that would show the charisma rather than just coming out and saying it i like that writing more of the experience than the telling of it showing it through a scene as opposed to, like, a literal translation of just, he is charismatic, showing a scene of, of charisma one way or another. I know I know what you're saying, Julie. That's good. Maybe you want to put, uh, as you just mentioned, like, showing something about, like, an actual conversation between, like, a detailed conversation between Terry and maybe a teacher. Instead of just saying, like, oh, he had this interaction with the teacher, show us. Just put, put something in there and, uh, Put it there so we know where it's going back. That it is a flashback somewhere in the past, and then a consequence or or uh, or a conclusion or something that ends the interaction between the two of them. It would be easy to do because, um, you know, what what season does the story take place in, Dave? Like, what time of year is it? It's kind of like a, a autumn. When you're having the conversation with the teacher, between Terry and the teacher, you'd want to have there be, like, Valentine's Day uh, decorations up all over the classroom so that we automatically know that it breaks with the setting, you know? So it's obviously from another time, you know what I mean? If I, if I can just jump in here, I don't know if a flashback would be necessary, only because, as a short story... You don't want to devote too much time to stuff that happened before. I think you can illustrate that kind of disconnect between time periods, though. And I like the way that they're saying that, where Perry is interacting with a teacher. So this specific story, where Sally comes into the picture, that's happening within, in autumn, you said. Right, Dave? Yes. Perfect. Okay. So then you could have Terry interacting with a teacher and saying something like, hey, you have any big plans for the summer? The summer's already passed. Why would he ask a question like that? So it shows that disconnect that he has with the world because he's displaced while everything else is moving on. That even cuts quicker than the decorations do. What do you think, Dave? 
I think this is fantastic. It really do. It's a lot of great feedback and suggestions about the story itself, but also the suggestions of writing, doing writing any kind of story. So all of this is great feedback. It really is. Now, how about entry level? Did we what What did we go over with that? Did everybody read that? I chop I I chopped it up to make it more accessible. It's much more readable. I I did that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ben, how about entry level? Um, I I just I like I like to build up at the end. It was really good build up. Like I wanted to see what was happening, what was going to happen, and then I was surprised. But like it's still like the build up itself of getting there, the like kind of the action sequence of the fire, everything like that. So like. I really liked how you built up to that. The, the climax was actually a really good climax and how it really ended up. So I, that, that was the part of the story I enjoyed the most was, because I'm an action guy, I like things happening. I like people moving around, uh, people dying, people in, in peril. So I really liked the build up towards the end. And that, that, that was probably my favorite part of the story. So Cool, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Julie and Mike, what are your observations? Um, okay, so what I really liked about the story was I was surprised at the end, uh, which was good because, you know, we read a lot, and so we kind of come across stories that, you know, kind of set us up for the ironic twist, right? So you wouldn't sort of expect it to be where you were surprised. You know, did everybody have that reaction at the end? I found it to be somewhat shocking, but... You know, yeah, I would say I was I was surprised, but it was a good it was definitely a good twist on the story itself. It had some elements of Vonnegut's Time Quake, which I don't know if anybody's read, but it's a story that's not even a, a, it's fictional, but it's not told as a story where there's all of a sudden an event where everybody in the world their consciousness is transported back ten years into their bodies, Whoa. and they have to relive those ten years. And they can't do anything. They can't change it. So they're conscious of everything happening that has happened. They know what's going to happen, but they can't make any changes. Wow. And I felt that there was a, some awesome. elements of that in um, Entry Level, which I really like. That's probably one of my favorite Vonnegut stories. So like I really the, like, like that the aspect destiny, of it. Like the preordained destiny type of thing? Yeah, how I forget Marv and I think Gary... Those two characters, they have to relive the starting of the fire over and over again. And they can't do anything to change it. And they know what's going to happen. And they have to relive it every time. And I thought that was really a nice a nice element to it. Yeah, and the voice, man. There's a lot of great moodiness, ominous qualities. Um, really great stuff in there. Um so, Smiling, what is his name, Dave? Smiling Sam? Smiling Sam. What did you guys think of that mascot for the corporation? I mean, yeah, it was, it was a nice touch. Just all of a sudden, this, this smiling magnet man staring down at whoever walks into the building. That was funny. I liked the parents, you know? Like, I, I got, I got yeah. very, like, you know, like, the, the, there was a humor to that, was there not? Like that, they were so narrow-minded, so single-minded. They were so belligerent, so belligerent in their own views. I know, I, I love that. It was great. 
I thought that the, 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 there was a tone there, like a light tone about their, their sort of that desperation to them. I don't know. That works for me. I think that you really do get into some nice detail and you do a lot of showing, like, especially as you start with the parents and that whole home life, you know, you show everything. I kind of felt like maybe just your first paragraph was a little telling, like, you know, um, it was like, we don't, do we need to go into the college experience? I get it. And I, I relate a hundred percent to this first paragraph in terms of getting a first job, you know, but I'm not sure it serves the story as well as sort of everything else. I think everything else you're doing here serves the story. So that's my take. You know, I, I don't mean to be negative. I don't. Cause I, no, no, I really don't, like I don't, story. That, <laughs> I don't think it that way at all. All right. There's some really good writing here. I can't take that away. You know, or, or. But uh, I, I'd like to, no offense or anything, I'd just like to have it a little more accessible as far as you said, who's who was speaking. <laughs> My initial, yeah. when I read the very, very first thing, which was, you know, it was very creepy, like a, uh, a, a an adult Twilight Zone that, that, that wasn't going to hold back the nastiness. Yeah, I perceived that too, you know? a Twilight Zone-esque-ness about entry level. So I look forward right. to the, uh, the real thing, as it were. <laughs> all right, great. Uh, so, well, I, thank thank you guys all for you know for reading it and for uh, you know having me on. This is this is excellent. It's no, a lot yeah, of fun. More than welcome. Yep. No yeah, it's our pleasure. Welcome, uh, welcome, yeah. Dave. Thanks welcome. Hey, everybody! Thank you so much for attending. I really appreciate it. Uh, we've inspired Dave. We can see now already his news flashes are going. Uh, and uh, he, we're going to get another draft and take another step forward into corporate gothic. Thank you for listening to Joe's Writers Club podcast. I hope you enjoy the sample. Subscribe or check back weekly for alternating themes and adaptive book craft and creative workshopping. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Joe's Writers Club. Check out our website and explore our Writers Accelerator, podcast, and blog at joeswritersclub.com. Also, Get a listen to Awesome Talk Podcast, Ice in the Face Podcast, Movie Dumpster Podcast, Joseph Vivaldi Podcast, Hammer Cloud Podcast Network, Open Us Network, and special thanks to our guest Dave Lockwood and to our club members Tom, Julie, Ben, TC, Mike. See you next time.